Hi, I'm Madison, and this is my life change story. I did not grow up in the church. Honestly, God was not really a concept in life until my dad remarried when I was 11. Even then, I didn't really engage in Sunday school until Grace Point Youth Summer Camp of 2021. That was when I began to recognize that God had authority in our lives, but despite this, I spent my entire junior year of high school just being really selfish and making a lot of bad choices and not really walking with God. Finally, last year at Grace Point Camp 2022, I decided I was truly tired of running. I began praying for every night for clear direction in my life and for the conviction to follow Him. Following Jesus with my whole heart was especially hard for me at school, so I took the next step in my faith journey and joined Youth Discipleship on Wednesday nights. I'm currently learning so much and working toward going on the mission trip this April. Everything before Jesus was heaviness and selfishness, and Jesus has become my comfort and conscious, and it is so reassuring to have that peace these days. I'm learning that I have to trust Him, and He will help guide me into what I will become in life. I'm graduating in just four months, and I'm going to need to hold His hand through all of it. I'm really excited to see what God does through me this year and through Grace Point Youth for years to come. I'm Madison, and I'm looking up, out, and beyond myself. Thank you, Grace Point, for investing in the next generation. Grace Point. Well, okay, I heard about four of you. Hello, Grace Point. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I, I just absolutely loved Madison's story. Uh, Madison, I got to, to really hang out with her at, at camp uh, this past summer and take on her jet ski, and we both tipped together and bonded uh, as our you know, jet ski had flipped over. But uh, she's just, just a great girl. And to see how many of our teenagers are, are taking their faith seriously and growing in their faith, getting into discipleship. Can we just thank God for all of our teenagers and their growth? I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. Um, well, today, uh, could I get the audience lights up a little bit? Um, I don't like looking in, like just into darkness. I want to see, see their beautiful faces. Can you hear me up there? Okay, all right. He's, there we go. Oh, wait a second. They're not that beautiful. Turn them up. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I, just, I love seeing you. Plus, uh, when we get to God's Word, I'd like you to actually be able to see uh, the words. Well, today we begin a three-part series called This Is What We Do. Because of what He has done for us, this is what we do. It's all back to because of His love, His forgiveness, His salvation, uh, his, his inheritance waiting for us in heaven for those who have trusted in Jesus. Because of all that he does and has done, this is what we do. And when we do this, God blesses. When we do this, other people are blessed. When we do this, doors open, problems get solved. When we do this, we see God work in our lives. Like we've never seen before, we started doing this. And when we do this, it inspires other people to do this as well. 
Now, if you don't know what this is, let me tell you what this is. This is what I'm talking about is when we, because of what he has done, this is what we do. We are this. We are irrational, generous givers because God has irrational love for us. And it's, he gives it generously. And, and God has irrational and generous forgiveness for every one of us. He is that kind of God. And because of what he has done, this is what we do. So yes, uh, that's right. We will be talking about uh, how, how do we use and manage and stewards, steward God's money. So now you're thinking, oh, great, you're going to talk about money. Well, if you are a, um, a, a not a follower of Jesus, you're, you're in the room and, or you're watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're just a really good friend or a spouse or a son or daughter, and, and you're just uh, honoring those who you come with, but you are not a follower of Jesus, you can breathe in and breathe out. You can relax because this does not apply to you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, this is not a negotiable thing. This is not optional. This is required because you're a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower, this series or even today will help you understand why as you look across the globe, if you do any research about charitable giving, you're going to understand why millions and millions of Christ followers give generously. That, you'll understand why. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Now, as your pastor, I'm not afraid to talk about this. It's amazing how many pastors never talk about money. But you think about it, everyone in our culture talks about money. Anybody watching the Super Bowl today? Okay, you're either the fans of the Chiefs or the Eagles or the commercials. That's one of your fans. And every single commercial, they spent big money to talk to you about how you should spend your money. Toward them. And so we think that, well, we can't talk about it in church. Jesus talked about money in the New Testament more than he talked about hell. Because he understands the power and, and the hook that money can have in our lives, mainly on our hearts. So I'm not afraid to talk about money. I'm actually excited. It's not awkward for me. Because really, if you understand what we're going to talk about today, it is for your blessing. It is for your benefit. Now, let me just say this right up front. If you're not one who gives, grace doesn't need your money. God's not, not up in heaven wondering if he's going to make budget this month. He doesn't want your money, but he wants your heart. And that is why Jesus talked about money more than anything, because he knows the grip that money and stuff and, and possessions have on our hearts. So, so if you're thinking, oh, you, you just want our money. No, I want really, and I'm seriously, if you've been around Grace Point, you talk to somebody, you understand I, I, I'm super serious about this and, and truthful, is really I want what is for you, not anything from you. Okay, thankfully, God has blessed Grace Point Church with people who get this, and they are irrational, generous givers. God will supply our needs. So the issue isn't your money. It's our hearts. It's our hearts today. So because this is really for your blessings, I, I ask this question all the time, especially in one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. It's this question, how bad do you want God's blessing in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your future? 
How bad do you want God blessings? Every time I ask someone that question, usually, usually I'm in a conversation, and, and they're struggling with this area of their life. Most of the time, it's not about money, but this area of their life, they're really struggling, and, and they're experiencing some losses. And I know that they're not obeying Scripture that will help in this area. And so I ask them as they're frustrated, as they're, they're concerned, they're messed up, they're, they're in the hole relationally or, or whatever. And, and so I'd ask them this question, well, how bad do you want God's blessing? And every time the answer is, oh, I want God's blessing. I'm like, great. Obedience always precedes blessings. Obedience is the key for God's blessings. So let me ask you this question. You don't have to um, answer this question out loud. Is, are you a generous person? Are you a generous person? Most Americans say, I am a generous person. I am a generous person. Um, but, but it's where we spend our money. See, Jesus, in Matthew 6, he, he gave us a passage that is universally true. We get this whether you're a follower or not, is Jesus said this, wherever your treasure is, there your, the desires of your heart will also be. It, it, wherever your treasures are, wherever your resources are going towards, like your vehicles, that's a big deal to you. Why? It's because your heart is there. You love them. You want this kind of a vehicle. Uh, your, your home, your, your, wh where all your kids are going and all the things that they're involved in, guess what? Wherever your kids go, money follows, right? Have you noticed that yet? Uh, <laughs> it follows. It's amazing how all, you gotta, I got to register for this. I got to register for that. If I want to do this, I got to pay. And when you're there, your heart is there because your resources are there. Jesus said that. So how generous are you with your resources. Well, the average American say, I'm pretty generous. I'm pretty generous. Well, that's not what the data says. In fact, it's been a, a big decline just in the last six years. Uh, the average American gives away now 2.1% of all the money that they receive. 2.1. Uh, six, seven years ago, it was 26 so when you go to a restaurant and, and the check comes and you get it ready to write a, a tip, if you would put a tip of 2.1%, would your waiter or waitress believe that you're being generous? You could answer that question for yourself. And that's what Americans are, are giving. Now, here's the crazy thing. I, I, I redid this, this research a couple weeks ago. The more money someone makes, the less generous they become. Now, I'm not talking the amount of dollars. I'm talking about the percentage. In fact, people who are making significantly lower money, percentage-wise, give more, like twice as much than the 2.1%. But as their salary, as they have more zeros to, you know, to, their, to their income, their percentage keeps dropping until they make $250,000 a year. Then it begins to slowly increase, not jump, slowly increase back up. And percentage-wise, some of them are making half a million dollars percentage-wise are being outgiven percentage-wise by those making 50000 
And then when they make $10 million a year, uh, a year, then they jump. So if you're waiting until you make $10 million a year, you're not getting this, all right? So the question is, are we generous? Now let me ask another question you don't need to answer. Would you love to give more? I think that most of us in this room are like, I would love to give more. If I made more, I would love to give more, but I don't make more. In fact, inflation's kicking our butt. So I, I would, but I can't. I can't afford it. Um, things are already tight. And, and, and giving more would scare you. And immediately you go to, I just need more. And, and so what happens is many Americans, and probably many in this room, we live in this thing called a scarcity cycle. And, and it, we just stay here. Even when we get an increase, you know, of, you know, we get more allowance. We, we get a higher, you know, minimum wage. We, we get a, be, a higher salary. And we stay in this thing called a scarcity cycle. And the scarcity cycle is this thinking. It was like, I'm just not making it. No matter how much I make, every pay, every pay, pay period, pay period is, is a struggle, is a fight. How come there's more days at the end of the month than the money that I have? And, and then, then with that scarcity mindset, those are the ones who are saying, oh, I can't believe that the church is talking about money and all they want is, their, is my money. We don't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants something for you. But if you have a scarcity mindset, that's where your mind will stay, and you'll stay stressed and fearful because you live in a scarcity mindset. Let me break, down, break apart what a scarcity cycle looks like. First of all is God supplies. If you, if you miss this right now, you'll never be uh, involved with a, a cycle of generosity. If you think, no, 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 God doesn't supply, I supply for my family. I supply for my, my need. I work my tail off to supply. And if you miss that God, and there's tons of verses all through Scripture that says God is the owner of everything. God is the owner of every good gift. God is the one that gives us resources and, 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 and finances and, and stuff. God is our supplier, but a scarcity mindset, they, they don't get this, but when God does supply and you, you get that paycheck, the first thing we do if you're in this cycle is we consume. We spend it. We absolutely just spend it. And there's a lot of things we have to spend. We have to spend for rent and we have to spend for gas, mortgage or whatever, food. Food's a good thing. You know, so we consume it, but we have a consumer mentality that we are the supplier so we get to consume what we have supplied. And then the next stage of a scarcity mindset is we don't have enough. We lack. And then when we lack, we fear. And now we're afraid. And here's a true statement. This is, I mean, there's studies about this. And when we fear, we actually consume more. We'll just put a little more on the, on, the, on the credit card. And we feel better, but then we are still lacking and more fear comes up. And we don't want to open the credit card bill. We don't want to go online to see what it is. Because we fear, and actually we end up consuming more. And that is a cycle of death. That is a cycle of stress. And you're thinking, 
How can I give more to God? Again, if this is just for followers of Jesus. I would love to give more to the, advance the kingdom of Jesus, but I can't afford it. There's a better way. Let me show you from Scripture. Take, a, take your Bibles if you have them. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This will help us stop the cycle of scarcity and begin a cycle of generosity. We'll see that when we give generously, God blesses gener generously. Chapter 9, look at verse 6. Now, let me just say that some of you are going to hear this for the first time, which is awesome. All right, you, you, you can right out of the gate understand what God's want. God wants for you in this area because he wants to bless you. Now, there's other, others of you, and there's probably more of you than hearing it for the first time. You have heard this before, but your fear has prevented you from taking steps to actually applying this. So universal truth, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, I grew up in San Jose, all concrete, no gardens. It means putting seed in the ground, all right? If you sow sparingly, you will also reap sparingly. And that doesn't matter who you are. That's just a, it's a universal truth. And whoever sows generously, put more seed in the ground, you will also reap generously. Now, I love verse 7 because this gets to the heart of the matter. Paul says this to believers. Each of you should give, give back to God, what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, oh, I've got to do this, complaining. For God loves a cheerful giver. I said this before when we were in our old auditorium, and I'm going to say it again now, that God loves a cheerful giver. Like, I get to give back to God for all, because of what he does. This is what I do. But if you have an attitude problem, you're like, oh. keep your offering and don't ruin ours. All right? Don't ruin ours. God wants a cheerful giver. Don't miss the next verse. And God, not you, but God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, even during times of inflation, it's in there in Greek somewhere, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness or right choices endures forever. God is able to supply. Why? Because he's your supplier. God is able to increase. Why? Because God is a God of increase. We give, he multiplies. This is the pattern found in scripture. And it says, and he is able to bless you abundantly. Now, let's just stop right here. There's, there's teachers in America, they're on the TV, and they have their own, pastors have their own jets and all this sort of stuff. And, and because they teach this health and wealth prosperity theology that is not biblical. Now, can God, as you give financially to God, can God bless you financially? Absolutely. But that's not all that God does. What if God chooses in your life, he says, you know what? You're sowing generously. I want to bless you generously. I am able to do that because I am God. And I want to bless you generously. I'm going to bless your marriage generously. Can you put a price tag on that? 
Uh-uh. What if God says, I want to bless your children, that they will actually begin to obey their parents? Can I get an amen? All right? <laughs> that would be a blessing for God. What if God's choice is, I'm going to bless your children, and I'm going to help them choose their friends wisely. Can you put a price tag on that? Absolutely not. Let God bless you however abundantly he wants to bless you. He says, I, I can do that. Now verse 10. Now he, that's talking about God, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Meaning God is able to increase your resources and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on all occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People will thank God for your generosity. God says, I can do that. And I've already supplied you seed and the bread and the resources, and I can increase that supply. I can increase that store of seed. I can increase your resources so that you can continue to be generous in every way. I don't know. If you have, have gotten this whole thing of generosity through God and God's you recognize that God is supplying and you want to be a blessing to others, it is so fun. And I'm going to talk about next week some creative ways that you can just have fun and bless other people. And the coolest way is when you do it anonymously. And then you see God blessing someone because God used you. Now, putting God first, that's the key, or we miss, this whole thing doesn't work. Putting God first perfectly positions us to receive God's blessings. God's blessing. Here, and here's, here's the math. It sounds familiar or if you were here for Vision Sunday. Uh, we add God multiplies. God, God's into the multiplying business. He loves, he loves it when we add but again, our, our offerings, our, our tithes and offerings to him, again, God's not worried about making budget in heaven. But he wants to show us, watch me work. Watch me multiply. You give, God blesses, God multiplies. Now, let me show you the contrast. There's a whole different contrast with a, a, a lifestyle of scarcity and a lifestyle and a, and a cycle of generosity. Okay, here's, here's the old cycle we talked about. We consume, we lack, we fear, which causes us to consume more, and we lack more, and we fear more. Here's a cycle of generosity based upon 2 Corinthians 9. We understand that it's God that supplies us resources. God supplies if you're making minimum wage. God supplies if you're, you, you, get, you get a salary. God supplies if he gives you a raise. So we always think that our, our boss gives us a raise. Well, our heavenly father can do that. Here's what a cycle of generosity looks like. As soon as God supplies, we give first. Why? Because of what he's done. This is what we do. And it is a step of faith to give first. It takes faith to give first. It takes zero faith to give last. So the first thing we do, because we understand who is supplying for us and our family, and we give back to God. And then we begin to see God multiplying blessings in our life, 
and how God uses us in a greater way. And what that does is our faith increases. Our faith increases so much like I'm going to keep giving. I heard a phrase growing up that I never understood to be true until I started living out this cycle of generosity. And this phrase as a child, as a teenager I heard, is that you can never outgive God. If you don't give, you just consume. You'll never see that. You get on this cycle, and you're going to say, well, I'm going to try. And I'm going to give. And God goes, you're not going to outgive me. And God blesses you back. And it strengthens your faith muscles like crazy. So in Scripture, God gives a pattern of giving. This is the way God gives a pattern. This is how a marriage gets blessed. This is how parenting gets blessed. This is how giving, the, really the pattern of giving in the Scripture, the first part, time it comes up is the word tithe. Let me explain to you what that means if you're new to Bible study. Tithe simply means in the Hebrew, tenth, a tenth. Now, I don't know about you, but I wasn't that bright in math growing up. I needed tutors. And then I was praising God, whoever invented the calculator. I just thank God for that blessing. But I, 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 get, this, I get this math. Here's a tenth. Here's what it means. When God gives me ten, I give him back one. When God, when God gives me a hundred, I give him back ten. When God gives me a thousand, I give him back a hundred. That's a tenth. Right off the bat, the Bible says in the, uh, in the Old Testament, God wants your first fruits, the first of your fruit, the first of your resources, the first of, of what God has supplied. Back to you. Because it takes faith to, do, to give God first. It doesn't take faith to give last because we end up not giving. We give them leftovers. And so, now, so some of you are thinking, wait, wait, wait a second. Um, isn't the tithe like an Old Testament law thing, you know, the law of Moses and all the crazy things that Israelites had to do. So we don't have to do that today because that was an Old Testament law thing. No. Abraham, way before the law of Moses, we see him tithing back to God in worship. His grandson Jacob, when he had an encounter with God and he surrendered to God and he was never the same from that point on, it says, and Jacob tithed in Bethel. Back to God. It was, it was a form of worship. In the New Testament, Jesus is, is having a conversation with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were all about looking good on the outside. But Jesus knew their heart. And he's like, you're like dead man's tombs. And he, he, he kind of went at them because of their hearts were so bad. In a conversation about the tithe, this is what the New Testament says. Jesus says to them, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Why? Because they're... they're their, with their treatment of people had no justice in it. They thought they were better than them, they were below them, and there wasn't any love for God. See, these are heart conditions. But in the context, Jesus said, yes, you should tithe, yes. But there are more important things. It was things of issues of the heart. So yes, Scripture does teach us, and it's kind of a starting point learning, this is how we give. Now right away, some of you are, are beginning to sweat and you're thinking, man, I should have put more deodorant on today. Because the whole idea, like 10, 10% to give back to God. And you may be thinking this question, like, Barry, Barry, Barry. Um, so what you're saying is that to do this, I would have to rearrange my life and put God first. 
is exactly what we're saying. Put God first. Position yourself for God's blessing. And some of you are like, okay, that, that didn't really help me. Um, Barry, what you're saying is like, to do this, I'm going to have to make some massive changes with my finances. Yes. Prioritize. Prioritize. And then watch God work. Okay, well, hold on, Barry. Hold on. What you're saying would require some crazy faith on my part. Now you're getting it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly what I'm saying. In fact, more, more important is that that's what God's saying. When we put God first, we, God supplies, and the first thing we do is we give back to God, and we'll be perfectly positioned for God's blessings. Now, let me unpack the power of this thing called tithe. Then I'll talk about the New Testament, primarily what they teach. The power of the tithe, first of all, it teaches us to put God first. I mean, it teaches us, okay, as soon as my, my, my paycheck comes, as soon as I get paid, you know, for, from grandma, you know, pulling weeds or I'm ba- babysitting, and as soon as I get paid a salary, I'm going to put God first. If you're, if you're going to tithe, this is going to teach you that. It's a priority thing. You honor God First, you rearrange priorities so that God's not way down here. God is put at the top. Blessings flow from the priority of obedience. If God is down here, everything above God is not receiving the downflow of God's blessings. Because God is below your family, your toys, you know, your mortgage, all this sort of stuff is you put God first. Even in our budget, we have budget for both pay periods, the first line on our budget is our tithe. And then down below is offerings to Horizon and to some missionaries and to some other things for the God's kingdom. But you put God first. Tithing helps us teach that. And second of all, the power of tithe is it builds our faith. Our faith muscles begin to get exercised. And if you know anything about, about exercising and, and lifting weights, it hurts at first. And your muscles are like talking to you like, what are you doing to me? All right? If you haven't worked out in months, they're like, what are you doing to me? And like, I need to work you out. It got, has to hurt first before you start seeing the benefits of some muscles. Tithing will build your faith muscles. Why? Because it takes faith to give first. It takes zero faith to give last. It takes zero faith to, get, to give last. So let me, let me show you this, this passage in Malachi. God's talking to Israel, and they're like, how you are robbing from me. And they're like, how are we robbing from you? And, and God says, um, then why don't you bring the whole tithe? Because they're, they're not even doing the, the, the minimum. Why don't you bring the whole tithe into the, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. All right? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Only time in Scripture that God says test me. Only time in Scripture God was like, uh, try me out. And, and God gives, you know, as he inspires Scripture, he, he gives his own name. And not every time it's the same. It, it, it means something different. But for this occasion, for this strategic reason, God says, test me. You're not, you don't have the faith to give me first. You're not even given the whole tithe. Give me the whole tithe. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is not an accident. This is God kind of saying, I can do anything. 
I, I can, I have, I own the cattle of, on every single hill. I have every resource belongs to me. I have the a power and the might to prove that I'm right. And the next passage says this, if you test me in this and see, I want you to see, I want you to experience that I, if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not be enough room to store it. Some of you, have, like, you've never experienced this where you're like, oh, God, I'm so overwhelmed with your blessings. I can't breathe. Would you like to experience that? God can do that. Again, it's not going to always be money. If you do that, you're, you're thinking about it the wrong way. It's about your heart, what you're passionate about, and watch God work. Billy Graham said this when he was alive. Living with 90%, like you give God a tithe first, 90% with God's blessing goes further than if I live on 100% without God's blessing. Once you test God. Anybody remember Fire, Fire Marshal Bill? Let me show you something. That's what God's saying. That if you say, okay, God, by faith, I'm going to, I'm scared. My faith, I don't know about this, God. How, you know, how are you going to do this? Test me in this, says, says God. I don't know what's about you, but I have grown up learning. I'm going to tell you my story. I have learned that everything I have belongs to God. So when my Tahoe which I said, God, this is your Tahoe. Use it for your kingdom and get me from A to B. And when my Tahoe broke and I needed to give it to my friend Ken Mulliman to fix, I prayed this, God, your Tahoe broke. You need to pay it. Now, I'd be a good steward and have an emergency fund and all this other stuff using scriptural stewardship principles. But I'm like, God... Your Tahoe needs help. How are you going to fix it? You need to pay Ken. It's a different mindset. Everything I have belongs to God. Our house on our big circle, we were like only, there's only two houses on our circle that had the original cedar shake roof put in in 1990. Everybody's getting brand new roofs. And I'm going, okay, God, I'm saving. I got to save for this. This is a huge expense. But God, your roof needs to be replaced. And we prayed and saved and prayed and saved. And during COVID, where this company that does Issaquah and does all the Mariner houses, they came over here because they had no work. And I got a sweet deal. Actually, God arranged a sweet deal. Because his house needed a new roof. Again, it's a mindset. God owns everything. So what am I going to do? All right, let me tell you quickly my story. I was 14 years old when I started my first real job with a real paycheck. Dairy Bell on Monterey Highway, flipping burgers, taking out trash. And before my first day at work, my dad sat me down in the evening at our, at our kitchen table and he said, son, let me, let me tell some things about work and work, work ethic, et cetera. Let me, let me, share, let me teach you how to, how to give the correct change back. It's amazing how people can't do that. And so he's teaching me, he had coins and dollars and stuff like that. And at the end, he says, now let me talk to you about this thing called tithing. Who gave you this job? I said, well, Mr. Hernandez at our church. He owns Dairy Bell. And, he, and, and God goes, who put Mr. Hernandez in our life? Oh. 
God gave me this job. You're going to serve for him, work for him, and when you receive your, pay, uh, your paycheck, you give 10%. What? I, remember, I still remember the emotions that I felt at 14 years old giving my first tithe. I was like, I could spend this way better than God. My church doesn't need this little bit, but God does. It's not the amount, it's the heart. And I'm so glad that my parents taught me what they had to learn in their mid-20s. Started tithing. Then, I, then my next-door neighbor, Randy, my next-door neighbor, when I was 16 years old, God bought a brand-new neighbor who was a painting contractor. So random. And I wanted a new car because there's all these kids and I wanted away from my siblings. I want a new car and I want a new paint job. And I want mag wheels. God gave me a contractor, and I ended up making way more than my peers. But I was already in the habit of God supplying. The first thing I did is tie it back to him. And we did it all our life. 37 years we've been married. We haven't missed one tithe. But I tell you, there were some serious months of like, God, how are we going to pay this bill? And every single time, I'm telling you, every single time we tithe, when we didn't have the math, it wasn't going to pencil out. God provided. God provided. Then a few years ago, we were like, we've been doing 10% for decades. Let's up it. God, if you increase, we're going to up it. And we've done that a number of times. And it's like, now I know you cannot outgive God. And God blesses in so many ways. So the question is, how bad do you want God's blessing in your life, your marriage, your family, your finances, your future? Power tie that teaches us to put God first and it builds our faith. The third thing it also does is it provides for the work of God's church. Now, in the Old Testament, they gave, you know, from their gardens, they gave a tithe, you know, to the temple, when their sheep had a firstborn male lamb, they gave the sheep, you know, to the, to the temple. Please do not bring your tomatoes or sheep to the church office, all right? Please don't do that. We have other ways to continue, not the work of the temple, but God's house in the New Testament through the local church. And it does provide for that work to continue. Back to Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now, it's not just food. There's also spiritual food. Has God, if God has called you to Grace Point, is God using Grace Point in different ways to feed you spiritually or to give you opportunities for not only to be fed, but to feed yourself and opportunities to feed others? Are your children being fed spiritual truth when you drop them in children's ministry? Are your teenagers being fed spiritual truths that will help them the rest of their lives when they come to youth group? You're going to have to answer those questions. We give so that the work of God goes forth and lives impacted because of what he has done. His love, his grace, his salvation, he's paid our inheritance in heaven because of what he has done for us. This is what we do. The question is, Grace Point family, are you a part of the we? This is what we do. Or are you on the sideline in this area? I'm going to challenge you to test God and take a step of faith. 
I'm going to close with a challenge that I've, I've done about three or four times here at Grace Point. It's called the Tithe Challenge. There's a card in your program. If on the way out you didn't get one, you can grab one. This is a challenge for those of you thinking, okay, this is scary, but I'm going to take that first step and I'm going to do a hard thing and I'm going to tithe. Challenge is this, you tithe for three months and you got to give information so our business office knows how to track these things. If, if you tithe for three months, every paycheck for three months, and you don't see God working in your life and your family, then contact the church and we will refund 100% of what you've given in your tithe for, the, for three months. We, we, don't, we don't need your money. God doesn't need your money, but God wants your heart. We've done this three, three or four times, I forget, every single time we haven't had anybody call the office and say, I haven't seen God work in three months. Why? Because all we've heard is stories of like, God showed up. And he showed up there, and he showed up there, and he covered this, and he blessed this. Okay, I got a scholarship over here. God's working. I'm like, he's wanted to do that for years. Now your eyes can see it. Something to pray about. And that's God. God, what, what do you want me to do? God's God's going, let me show you something. Let me show the Lord God Almighty to you and see what he does. Again, the starting point of all this is putting God first. Now, second, third, fifth, first. And when we do that, we perfectly are positioned to receive God's blessings. However, God will choose to bless you. Oh, I pray that you'll join us in the journey. When I've been teaching last hour and also this hour, those of you who you have learned this and you've applied this, you've been doing this all during my message. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh, I hope they listen. This is awesome. I've seen God, oh my goodness, what you're missing. They've been cheering this on while I'm preaching because we've experienced this and we want you to as well. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for not being a cheap God. (laughs) You generously forgive us of every sin. I'm so glad. And you choose to forget them. God, you generously love us, even when we're unlovable. God, you generously save us. And you have given us an inheritance in heaven. God, you say in Scripture that you give the unsearchable riches of your grace to us. God, you are a generous God. Lord, help those who need their faith to be strengthened. Lord, I pray that you would help them, encourage them to trust in you and begin a cycle of generosity. And God, when they take that step, and it's going to be scary, God, would you show up in ways right off the bat to affirm their step of faith. And God, I pray you open their eyes to see what a generous God you are. And bless them in ways that they need and you desire to bless them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. We pray, amen.